This is episode 41, our take on the grit phenomenon. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and mom to three boys ages 5, 3, and 18 months. And I'm Terilyn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids ages 10, 8, 5, and 3. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Hi, everybody. So I have a facepalm today, and mine is that I took my daughters to a theme park near our house, and it's awesome, and it has tons of thrill rides, and I love thrill rides, and... We had gone on a day when there wasn't any lines because it had been raining, which is the best for me, the best day to go. And I like to go in the fall because it's not hot. So I'm like in heaven thinking it's <laughs> the best thing ever. And we are just going on. I mean, because with my daughters, they're both tall enough. They can go on all the rides. So we are, and I'm like giving myself like a pat on the back for being a cool mom because I'm like loving. I mean, all of them, we're just not waiting in lines, getting off and running on the next thrill ride. And... The theme park is called Lagoon, and they have this awesome, I mean, really, these two these two rides. One of them is called Cannibal, and it's like this one that goes upside down. It's so cool. Anyway, guys, I got sick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was like probably two hours into it of just going nonstop that I didn't actually throw up, but I felt like I was going to. And at first, I was just ignoring it. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, I am I do. not. <laughs> no. And then we went on, like, two more rides, and I could feel it, like, on the ride. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I had to, when we got off, I had to tell my girls, I'm like, guys, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I got to sit it out for the oh next, like, the God. next maybe, you know, we probably did six or seven more rides, and I didn't go on them with them, which goes against everything. For me, I am like the, <laughs> I am going to adventure with you, and I'm going to do it with you, because I love, because I actually love it. Like, it's yeah. not something that I'm, like, trying to force myself to do right. something that I don't like. I love it. Am I getting old? Oh. Like, what's happening? I feel like Phil Dunphy on Modern Family. Oh. <laughs> he was actually getting the flu, but <laughs> I wasn't getting the flu. And I am so sad. I don't know if it's just because there was no lines. I mean, my daughter... Maybe it, the constant. But even my daughter, like, maybe three... She was... So, this is actually, like, four years ago. We went to Lagoon. Same scenario. We were going on this ride called Wicked over and over and over because there's no mm-hmm. lines. And she actually threw up. Mm. And I... I maybe had a little bit that time, but not much. And that's the only time in my life I've ever had from thrill rides. Mm -hmm. But it didn't even do anything to her. Oh, no. Nothing. Just me. And so I've never, I've never had that. I've never had to sit out for a ride because I don't know what's happening. I don't know if you need to like start incorporating spinning a lot into my morning routine. (laughs) What? You like go to the park and spin. Spin. What's happening? I was so sad, guys. That is interesting because I haven't been on like thrill rides in a while because of having babies for like the last 25 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, when you're pregnant, you're yeah. limited. And when you yeah. have a newborn, you can't go anywhere right. for more than an hour, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been getting excited that that's coming back up in my life because I, like you, love thrill rides. Like, love them. But now I'm scared. Am I going to get sick on them? Because I'm we, old. <laughs> when we go on our park dates, we are going to have to start spinning. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Guys, spin us. <laughs> Is that a thing, though? Like, when you get older, do you get... 
Is it because I'm spending less in my life? I don't know. Maybe. That's scaring some, me. Yeah. I'm going to do some <laughs> research. I am not pleased. Okay. Well, good to know because I'm also going to research that because that's one of my favorite things. Okay. So my, today, my high five today is that I sparked um, my oldest, Cohen, who's five, his interest in um business. I'm not going to try to say entrepreneurism because I can't. <laughs> and uh, so basically we were talking about how he wanted this thing, some toy, I can't remember. And I was like, yeah, you can save, you know, save up some money for it. And then we started talking about um, bootstrapping. So for those of you who might not know what that is, it's basically where you you make money and then you put the money you make back into whatever your business so that your business can make more money and on and on. And so basically I just gave him the example of like, so if you do this job for you for me and you make $5, then you could buy hot chocolate for $3, but then sell it for X amount more. And seriously, his eyes were so <laughs> big, like, <sighs> and I know this is like a classic kid thing, but it was just cute to, like, you know, doing lemonade stands and stuff. But it was just cute to see his eyes, like, and somebody would buy it for 50 cents and it only costs 10 cents to make it or whatever. He was just like, oh, like, I've tricked the whole world. Like, <laughs> this is brilliant. So we haven't attempted the bootstrap hot chocolate stand yet, but I'll report back on how it goes. That is so cute. <laughs> it was really cute. I love it. Okay, well, today we're going to be talking about the book Grit. So grit is a word that we've all heard a lot now. It's part of our culture now, mm-hmm. you know, which I really love. That, mm-hmm. um, the author of grit is Angela Duckworth. She's done a ton of research on it. And we had, there was a lot of things we loved about the book and some things that we didn't love about the book, but mm-hmm. um, there's some really, really great takeaways. And so we're going to give you our take on grit and maybe some really applicable stuff that we found in it that you can take right now and put into your own life and into the lives of your families or any the thing I really love about it is this doesn't just apply to you kids if you're parents mm-hmm. she really emphasizes that it's to anybody who has any influence mm-hmm. in At your all. yeah in your work mm-hmm. you know it could be that you have co-workers or if you're especially <clears throat> if you're in a le- leadership position or especially teachers mm-hmm. um, so this applies to anybody who has any influence over themselves or others which is everybody yeah. <laughs> all you people <laughs> okay, so um, kind of to summarize the book is um, when we're talking about this concept of grit, it's to look at um, kind of achievement in a different way. So instead of just to think about um, when you're looking at these people who have achieved great things. So, you know, in the book, she talks about Steve Young, Michael Phelps, um, Rudy Gaines a lot who didn't know who that was but he's apparently a really great swimmer um Rowdy sorry guys Rowdy Gaines is his name um and basically all these like she calls them grit paragons that um it's not necessarily we shouldn't necessarily look at talent that that's like a disservice to say like oh they're just so talented and that's how they got where they are but it's actually um grit that we should look at and and um having grit or cultivating grit is what is a bigger the bigger picture thing with people having immense achievement so 
grit is a blend of passion and persistence and um, perseverance. So like sticking with stuff over a long time. Mm -hmm. I love the word. I had a professor who is one of my master's degree professors and he, he used the word stick-to-itiveness. Mm-hmm. And he, I love that. And he said, I think most achievement in life is really a matter of stick to And it may, actually made me really happy because he was always like, you guys think that, you know, I'm here with my PhD because I'm just so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he was incredibly intelligent. As in, he had a lot of wisdom and knowledge, and I loved how he presented it. And he was like, you guys all this took to get here was a bunch of stick to itiveness. You know what I mean? There are so many times where you're writing a paper and you're done with the paper. The passion feels like it's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, the excitement. Passion mm-hmm. is long-term even when you're not excited about it. Mm-hmm. And you just push through it and keep going. And my dad used to always say that too. He's like, oh, the only reason why I have the accomplishments I have is just... Just, just doing from, it. He called Showing it something up. else. Like, yeah, just going <clears throat> over and over and over. So that's what we're talking about here. When we're talking about grit, it's stick to itiveness. It's the ability to stick with something for a long period of time for mm-hmm. goals. Mm-hmm. Um, greedy people are able to maintain their determination and motivation over long periods of time, even after failure. So we've talked about, when I mean, we talked about this a lot, when we talked about praise, but the idea here is that you're not going into something saying my talent and my intelligence alone are going to take me here, but that both of those things are malleable. And no matter what your setback is, you're not going to give up and you're going to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. So... I and and with kids especially again we talked about this in the praise but it's really important that we're focusing on their effort um, because Angela actually she has this equation that effort counts twice when it comes to success and grit and um, so with our kids when we're focusing on their efforts then they are able to when they hit a setback because every road has setbacks they're able to actually go through the setback and not just say okay you know what this is hard I'm out I'm gonna find something that's better that's easy for me better suited to my talents and intellectual mm-hmm. abilities because mm-hmm. if we only go with what we think is our oh only if I'm good at it can I do it mm-hmm. then you're really limited in life so mm-hmm. find something that you're passionate about move forward and actually push through those setbacks mm-hmm. and I love it she talks about in the book how um <clears throat> kind of why the talent um emphasis has developed in our society and it's I loved how she described it. It's basically like if we see, you know, like Michael Phelps swim like this fastest race ever, if it's all talent, then that relieves us of (laughs) doing anything. He's just really good at swimming. I could never be that good. And I know I will never be as good at Michael Phelps at swimming. But whatever it is, it kind of you remove um, the like the hard work and you only see like the magic of the talent when in reality everyone who's just like exceptional at stuff is practicing throughout the way and it's that messy stuff that we don't see um that is leading them to be the best we see the performance Mm -hmm. which for a lot of people that's where they experience the flow state that so many artists and Mm -hmm. experts love but people don't see the practice and mm-hmm. I, I love that emphasis that we're seeing the performance we're not seeing the mm-hmm. thousands and thousands in fact for most experts we know it takes over 10,000 hours mm-hmm. of deliberate practice to get to the expert status mm-hmm. that's a lot of practice yeah so yeah I, I really like that and it does give it does let us off the hook right if we think oh they're just talented <laughs> yeah therefore I can't expect anything of myself mm-hmm. because I don't have that talent it's not we mm-hmm. can actually it's when you shift it though it's totally empowering to think, totally. 
I can achieve anything, almost anything, mm-hmm. if I actually am willing to put in that deliberate practice. And in order to get through that, you do have to have a deep down, I think, passion and commitment to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and if we can help our kids see this. So when we're looking at um, how can we cultivate grit, whether it's in ourselves, people we influence, or our kids, I think the first step is always modeling. (laughs) Um, And there's a quote in, this was in Grit, yeah, by James Baldwin that said, children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to everything we have ever talked about here. Being confident in yourself, accepting yourself, living in a way that's present, being unconditional with our love, all those things, it starts with us. So Mm -hmm. grit starts with us, which Mm -hmm. I love. Mm -hmm. Um, A few tips, though, that Angela Duckworth gives and that Felicia and I totally agree with when it comes to developing grit in others and ourselves. The first one is it's a matter of creating habits and taking out some of the decision-making. So people who spend those 10,000 hours of practice going into something have developed some kind of habit. So they're not choosing every day. Hmm, should I get in the pool today Mm -hmm. or should I not? Should I practice the piano today or not? Mm -hmm. It's simply a matter of habit. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot about this too, but the idea here is you're taking something that's important to you that you want over a long period of time. You establish what that deliberate practice would look like. You know, perhaps it's I'm going to be practicing for the piano for this amount of time a day, or I'm going to be practicing my writing. And an important part of deliberate practice is getting feedback. So that's a hard thing for me with writing is I'm actually not doing any writing right now that's getting feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really nice for, like, for example, piano lessons or other things. If you're taking a class, that's a great way to do feedback, Mm -hmm. you know, or anything. There's a lot of ways to get coaches and stuff like that to give you feedback. Um, but you set the plan, and then it's a matter of putting it into the non-negotiable section in your mind with habit. Mm-hmm. So you're not making a decision about it. It's simply a part of what's happening. So that's mm-hmm. one huge tip to growing your grittiness mm-hmm. is establish what that deliberate practice is going to look like. And it could be for your business. You're going to do invest this amount of time into this part of the, de- the, blah, 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 <laughs> the developing of your business. And then you set aside that time. And you don't let anything get in the way of it. Mm-hmm. It's a non-negotiable mm-hmm. habit. Mm-hmm. And I think with, if you're looking at, <clears throat> from a parenting standpoint, you can start small with your kids on these non-negotiables. So whether that's, you know, after dinner, we put away all the toys, or this is the bedtime routine, no matter what. So they're taking <clears throat> ownership of it, which is leading into our, our next tip, Um they have this, uh, they've developed this habit and they own the habit. So they're in charge of it. So a habit, hopefully, once you get it down is they're just doing it instead of you being like, remember, <laughs> do this and nagging because that's taking away their ownership. So our next um, tip. Oh. And a little tip with that mm-hmm. that I have found with my older two kids um, starting, you know, eight and ten is they have their own alarm. And they set up, I mean, so before I even get back from recording this podcast, they'll have, we'll get up on their own, they'll practice their instruments, Mm -hmm. and then I'll have, they'll have eaten breakfast Mm -hmm. and gotten dressed for the day. And then one of my daughters will have done her handwriting and the other one will have packed her lunch. Mm -hmm. So when I get home in the morning, all those things are already done. I don't Mm -hmm. have to push anybody. I don't have to 
nag anybody. I don't have to be the engine. I feel like sometimes as a mom, I just feel like this engine on a train that if mm-hmm. I stop and everybody else stops, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just a habit. It's not a power struggle. It's mm-hmm. not a fight. It's just a habit. So alarm clocks mm-hmm. for you parents out there, yes. I think are their own alarm clocks where they feel ownership of that totally. thing. Yeah. It's theirs. And I love it. That's just starting off the day owning, owning the day. <laughs> With my little ones, that isn't. I'm gonna have to go home and no, get yes. my kindergartner <laughs> yes. up. I'm gonna yep. have to wake him up myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, drag him out. So, <clears throat> in the book, Angela talks a lot about um, interest, and that is having, you know, like a passion of interest <laughs> for something. And Terlyn and I were pondering this, and we really liked. Um, the idea of if you are owning these little things, then you can have that empowered feeling throughout your whole life, really, even in the small things. So yes, interest is going to be like um, your son loves baseball or basketball or your daughter loves soccer or, you know, they're going to have these interests that are more, I would say, passion driven, more exciting but if they can also have control over say making their own lunch in the morning getting ready for school managing their own schedule choosing the extracurriculars they're involved in um then they're empowered and in charge of these things they can more easily overcome obstacles that come up failures boredom maybe they have to wait an hour in between you know, like school and extracurricular and, you know, you know, like they're overcoming that because they know who I'm really interested in ballet. So that boredom's not even a thing. So it's mm-hmm. having that empowerment, um, in their, in their life really. Cause I, I feel like kids and even a lot of adults, we don't feel like we have control or ownership of the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it's that interest that can guide you through that. Mm-hmm. Something here that helps me with my own children is when they, I, first of all, I let them choose, you know, like for example, in my family, I want them to learn in a musical instrument and then they get to choose the other, if they want to learn, you know, ballet or soccer or whatever, they choose it. But before we sign up, cause I want them to feel that ownership. If I'm just pushing them into things, it wouldn't feel that way, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. they each got to choose their own instrument. But then once I sign them up, I'll actually say, this is how long this season is. Mm -hmm. So that means you're going to be going to, you know, a soccer practice. This meant, you know, soccer practice in our city is, yeah, practice once a week and you have games once a week for, Mm -hmm. it's only, what, six weeks? I don't even know. But they know before they start, this is what is expected. Ballet is the whole school year. Mm -hmm. And this is how many times I'm going to be taking you. So if you're choosing it, that means you're going to finish that. Mm -hmm. If at the end of the school year, you don't want to do it the next year totally mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. but then there is that kind of little stick of they have that budding interest there's that passion starting there but when it comes down to the day-to-day practice the mundane the interest mm-hmm. probably won't be there every time mm-hmm. so it's it's really nice to set up that ahead of time so that they know even though you're not going to feel like it sometimes we're still going to go because we've committed and you know that's part of doing what we've committed. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the year, though, the ownership is yours. Right. We did that with ski team last year, and it was really hard for me because um, one of my kids chose not to do it this year, and skiing is, like, my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, part of honoring it, right? Mm-hmm. You said right. you'd go, you're going, and this year you don't want to do it. And that's okay. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mm-hmm. am okay with that. 
once I think about it for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> After a minute, I'm okay. But that's, that's part of yeah, it, right? It, totally. If it's just words that we're saying that this is your thing that you get to choose, but it's really not, mm-hmm. then that's actually... And you're getting it mad if yeah, they... Mm-hmm. And make them feel guilty about mm-hmm. it or whatever. No, mm-hmm. it was like, if you're not choosing, it's totally fine. If you don't want to choose to do it, it's fine. It's a big commitment. So yeah, totally. You don't have to do it. If, yeah. But then you're choosing, you're... So it's like the balance of fostering interest and passion while still putting in some stick-to-itiveness there mm-hmm. for whatever season or period of time you say is appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> in the book, Angela says one of her tips for this is to have your kids, she calls it her do a hard thing rule. So it's basically exactly what Terrilyn just said. They get to pick, everyone has to pick something that's hard for them. Then, you know, they're putting in the deliberate practice and they can't stop until there's a natural ending. Mm-hmm. So end of season, tuition, you know, we paid this much and now that much that we paid is up, so we're done. Or, <clears throat> And then they need to pick a new hard thing, so they're always doing something that's challenging them. Mm-hmm. And for her kids, as they get older, she requires in high school, they stick with things for at least two years. Mm. I haven't had to approach that yet because so far mm-hmm. my kids have really liked things they've tried, so yeah. they're, um, you know, going on a few years already. Yeah. So we haven't had to set the rule, but I mm-hmm. do like the idea that, like, don't change, try to avoid changing every year mm-hmm. at all the time. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing wrong. I mean, kids are kids. I think, how can you know what your interests are unless yes. you're allowed the yes. ability to try? Instead of, no, you chose this when you were five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will make you, no mm-hmm. matter what, never change. That's mm-hmm. like part of life. We try to figure out things out. I mean, even my degree going into it, I, I did end up changing because there was a better mm-hmm. calling for me. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, willing to be flexible how can you find mm-hmm. your passion and interest right mm-hmm. so that's a nice balance there but I do yeah. like that she says there is a time where she does require like okay mm-hmm. you're gonna choose something now and I want you to stick with it for at least two years mm-hmm. you know which I like mm-hmm. and some of you out there a lot of and I, I think looking at my kids we're probably gonna experience the same thing but there's a couple things that I can already see in my daughters that I think is going to be at least a decade of their mm-hmm. their love for it now is strong enough and it's been going on for enough years now. I think that it's going to be Continue. a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't have to be. Right. But there's a really good chance, I think, when you find something that you love, that you do stick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, in grit, um, that is like one of the markers of being gritty is that you will stay with, they measured extracurriculars, but um and it was two years or more that, like, mm-hmm. was a grit sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is a delicate balance. Charlin and I were talking about this um, when it comes to grit is the being self-aware enough to know when it is time. Because I think there can – you can look at it as, like, if you just never quit anything, that could be damaging in some yes. areas of your life. <laughs> it could be. There could be toxic relationships that you stay mm-hmm. in. There mm-hmm. can even be, hot, frankly, hobbies that are wonderful. For example, like I know somebody who loves the cello, mm-hmm. but when she became an adult, she was like, maybe like 18 or 19, she was like, I'm now just doing this out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And it's taken away from something that I actually feel like is more important in my life. Mm-hmm. It served me really well for 15 years or whatever. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there are times where it's it's fine. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. just because you start something, you have to do it forever. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea of just not giving up just because it's hard. Right. And exactly. I, I, Felicia, I'm glad you said that because that's an important distinction for all of you out there. Grittiness is great. Sticktitiveness is awesome when it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And there are times in your life and only you can decide. Mm-hmm. But where some things probably 
it's wise to say, you know, this I'm actually going to let go. Yeah. Deliberately, right. with mm-hmm. intention. With purpose, yeah. Not just because it's hard, mm-hmm. but because I have something else that I actually feel more strongly about. And I'm going to choose to put that other mm-hmm. thing to the side. Yeah, and we've we've talked a lot about that with essentials, but distilling your life down to what with my bandwidth with my with the time I have what things can I be gritty about and being more choosy Mm -hmm. and what can I let go of right that's important yep so some some tips for helping kids feel empowered and um promoting that desire to you know do the deliberate practice so some things you can think about are teaching delayed gratification so um how we can do this is to say, say your kids are, mom, I want to play Legos with you. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's clean up this area of the toy room first. Or, you know, I want, I want a cookie. Oh, good idea. Let's make cookies and we can enjoy them after dinner. So kind of like building in those delayed gratification, um, times. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really easy not to delay gratification in like how our life is. We just have instant access to so many things. So I find myself even trying to practice delay gratification for myself. Like let's not just one swipe Amazon on my phone. Let's at least have to go to the computer. You know what I mean? Like let's delay some gratification because I even have trouble with that as an adult. So I think that's super important for our kids. And then, um, uh, you can also encourage saving, money so this is also hard so in the book um how to raise successful people the author esther and i can't remember her last name but she talks about um and we'll link it but she talks about how abundance can be kind of a um, barrier to being a gritty person because we can have a lot of things when we want them we give our kids like we we want to give our kids everything um especially so I come from a single parent background and so I was telling Tara Lynn when doing like the grid index I feel like a lot of my life kind of forced me to be more gritty because I couldn't just have whatever I wanted like all these things where I was like I I had to work for stuff. I had to overcome so many things, but it wasn't my choice. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I want to be gritty. I, I'm going to save my money. It was just how my life was. So if we can, <clears throat> with those of us who can, a lot of the times provide most everything for our kids that they need and even want, how can we set up ways for them to be grateful for those things, appreciate them? And I think a lot of times that comes down to money. So instead of just sure let's just throw that toy in the cart yeah it's you know five or ten bucks not a big deal maybe in that moment but like having them see you know oh you know money is a real thing that i can like it has a physical value and help them to save up for things they want i think it's just Mm -hmm. will be huge and for you i would say i mean it wasn't so much that it forced you but it gave you the opportunity that you wouldn't have had had you yeah had the abundance in your Mm -hmm. life growing up so um she actually talks a lot about people and rats and dogs they have all (laughs) sorts of research on this um but but when you have difficult situations in your life and you show to yourself that you can get out of them you have some control over your suffering that learned ability 
actually allows you later when you come across a difficulty it allows you to change it so they had this experiment with dogs actually it's so sad (laughs) but um they would give them electrical shock and some dogs they gave them the chance to jump out of the the box or whatever and the other ones they didn't let them get out and then later like a whole nother time they gave them the same opportunity in like a different scenario and the ones who didn't feel like they had any control over the shock they just sat there and took it even though they could get out Mm -hmm. but the ones who had earlier had the experience of having something painful but being able to control it did what they need to do to get out of it so i think that's a good example you growing up you somehow at a young age learned that this is difficult for me to do this i have control though mm-hmm. and i can and that's what contributed to your grit mm-hmm. felicia's grit score was higher than my score <laughs> and i think <laughs> but i think it's really cool <laughs> that those of you out there who are thinking ah oh, but i can't either provide these certain things or my kid's life is difficult for this or this or this. Mm-hmm. I think if we can change our mindset too, and having these conversations with our kids, these are opportunities. It's not mm-hmm. going to force you because if you feel like you can't do anything about it, it's not going to help you mm-hmm. in the long run. Mm-hmm. But let's look at this. I have a friend with a kid with a learning disability and it's so awesome. She's talked about reframing the idea that instead of saying like, you are stuck here, there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about it because you have a learning disability, saying this is an opportunity to develop grit that other kids don't have. Mm-hmm. Your other friends don't have to go over their spelling words 50 times before mm-hmm. the test. They mm-hmm. may only read them once. Mm-hmm. That's not developing grit, right? Mm-hmm. But if you take their, all of us, all of us, no matter your set, set of abundance or lack of abundance, all of us have setbacks in our lives. And if we can with ourselves and with our the people who we influence, if we can reframe, this is something that's really difficult. You can either be stuck here mm-hmm. and feel like a victim, or you can use this as an opportunity to develop your grit. Mm-hmm. And how you do that is by pushing through and keep sticking to it mm-hmm. until you overcome it, no matter how long it takes. If you have to go over that, those spelling words, 10 times every day when you get home from school, that's going to be your success factor. Not what you got on the spelling test at the end of the week, but did you go over them your 10 times each day? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. See how you're Mm -hmm. just reframing what success looks like and saying that grit is actually what we're measuring our success off of, not so much the end result. And I think it really changes any setback into a really cool opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it teaches them to value. We've talked, we've, dab a little bit with the growth versus fixed mindset, but to value the process and, and not just the end result. And instead of, for example, the spelling, seeing, oh, I failed at spelling, it's they're, they're learning along the way. So they're not perceiving failure, they're perceiving learning. And I just looked up <clears throat> the author of How to Raise Successful People, which Felicia just mentioned. Uh, her name's Esther. I do not know how to say this. It's Wedgwick. It looks like Wajkiki. At W-O-J-C-I-C-K-I. We will so, post it. Yeah, we'll link in the book. I guess all her students call her the Wodge. <laughs> I love that. Which is so cute. It's a good book. Um, so we'll link that. Um, okay, so we are going to take a little break, and then we'll come back um, with a couple more tips on grit. Mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So one of the next things that we can focus on in developing grit in ourselves and others is the idea of purpose. Angela Duckworth found in what she calls grit paragons, people who have demonstrated a lot of grit in their lives and achieved incredible amounts of success in certain areas, she found that all of them used the word purpose or helping something greater than themselves in that. So perhaps it started as a love for a sport, but it ended up going into something like coaching where they're actually developing young people. Mm -hmm. Or she gives examples of artists who started out with a passion for art, doing art, and then it turned into something like, she gives the example of somebody who she turned art like painting over graffiti and now has this huge art program in inner cities helping beautify the city. So Mm -hmm. lots of times with our true deep passions. And she also says passions are something sometimes we think they're these magical things that just hit us. Mm -hmm. Passions can be developed. You can choose something. I'm going to invest myself in this, whether it's a magic wand that comes and bops you on the head, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. which I really love that. Because sometimes I think we think passions are you either just born with them or you're not. (laughs) Yeah. You can choose them. And um, she talks about how it always goes to something greater than ourselves. So she gives the example of three bricklayers. When asked what you're doing, the first one says, I'm laying bricks. The second one says, I'm building a church. And the third one says, I'm building the house of God. And as I said those words, you guys think, she said most people can identify very quickly. Think of what you're doing the most in your life, where you're spending most of your time. Then ask yourself that question. How do you see it? If you're seeing it like the first brick layer, you're seeing it like a job, you know, Mm -hmm. just literally I'm taking these bricks and I'm putting them on. Uh, The second one, I'm building a church. That would be more like a career. You see that you're building something important and you're invested in it. But the third one is a calling. I'm building the house of God. That brick layer saw something that was beyond just bricks or just a career, Mm -hmm. but something that actually had to him eternal significance. Mm -hmm. So think about your own life and look at, are you looking at what you're doing on a daily basis as a job, a career, or a calling? And people who are able to tap into and develop grit are people who feel like what they're doing is a calling. Mm -hmm. And as I'm saying this, I can like hear people's minds saying, well, what about, you know, my job is just doing a menial task, whether that's doing laundry (laughs) or, you know, you're on a, working on a line in a factory. Mm -hmm. And she points out, she actually gives great examples of people who have found a lot of purpose in any job. She gives the example of a guy 
who is a garbage man and it started out as just a job and then over time he saw how what he was doing was improving their whole community because it's keeping it clean and mm-hmm. I mean you can find purpose in anything you're doing so mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to start as you're hearing us talk if you're feeling like well I don't have a passion that I'm willing to d- dedicate decades of my life to look at what you're already doing and see if you can get to a place where you can find purpose in what you are doing mm-hmm. and like Eckhart Tolle says when you become present and putting your actions to a purpose. Sometimes that means you find purpose and may I dare say inflationized words, you're finding some magic mm-hmm. in your daily tasks. Sometimes that could lead to changing something and you might actually find Major. another job mm-hmm. or calling this different that calls to you more, but it could be that whatever the mundane thing you're doing takes on purpose. And that's what allows us to stick with things even when they're hard, when we can connect them to that higher purpose. And for me, as I was listening to this book, I really, it really connected with me this part because it made me think in my life, what I'm doing, I separated it easily into three different sections. And for me, a mother is my highest calling. And it was a good reminder to me because sometimes I do feel like I get caught up in the mundanity of the specific tasks. Mm-hmm. But when I thought about it, I mean, it was like resounding in my soul. Like, yes, of course, that's... Mm-hmm that's actually where I feel like I have the most influence in the entire world because Mm -hmm. I think our ability to influence individuals is where power is Mm -hmm. and what more influence do I have than over my own children. Right. And then the second one, I have all of my reach with other people who aren't my children. That's podcasts, that's Mm -hmm. writing, that's that whole world. And then after that, I have another level of something that I love that it's yoga. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. teaching other people and that kind of thing that I think is important and it lines up with my own passions. But it was super easy for me when I looked at the three things that are putting, putting them in order. If I could think of right now, three callings, that's them. And it was easy to put them in order Mm -hmm. because we've talked so much about priorities. Mm -hmm. If you can put them in order, it was like, Oh, of course, of course for me, this is the most important and it feels like a calling and it actually has made just over the past few days. It's been a good reminder to me of as I'm doing my different tasks in those different areas, how am I like your deliberate practice? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's improved my motherhood. So Mm -hmm. specifically with that as my highest one, Mm -hmm. it's really Mm -hmm. inspired me. So that's actually been the biggest. I loved a lot of the takeaways from this book, but that was actually for me the most impactful Mm-hmm. in my life where can I find purpose mm-hmm. and turn something that I'm doing into a calling instead of just a job right like a passion beyond yourself yeah and we wonder so when we're thinking about this how can we um when we're looking at teaching it to our kids how can we help them to develop a, a personality and a core that will um be someone who can see those purposes see something beyond themselves and so some tips for that are is to try to um, develop courage and bravery in your kids that strong sense of self um, a kid who isn't afraid to stand out and stand up so if you can point out examples of when you've been brave or when um or other people you know being brave, maybe, you know, like standing up to bullying, stuff like that. If you can point out those strong characteristics to your kids. Um, And then allowing your kids to um, 
fail and then get back up to build up that resilience. Um, and this doesn't mean creating failures for them, but it does mean not always rescuing them when they might be failing. Um, and then, so something that was really cool in this book that Terlin and I were excited about was, um, Angela talked about authoritative parenting, which if you remember our episode on the four types of parenting. Um, it's kind of confusing because there's authoritative and authoritarian and Angela, it was funny because I was laughing with her because she was like, um, this is so confusing to have authoritative and authoritarian parenting. So in the book, she calls it wise parenting, but that's basically that balance between being demanding and supportive. So trigger word we have these expectations or intentions for our kids but then we also support them through it so it's this style of parenting that developed the most grit in um kids and people as they grew up so some things that we can say to encourage grit in our kids when they're trying things um here's some good like phrases you can say so instead of you're a natural i love that you could say, you're a learner. I love that. Or instead of saying, well, at least you tried. That didn't work. Um, you could try, that didn't work. Let's talk about how you approached it and what might have worked better. Instead of, great job, you're so talented. You could say, great job. What's one thing that could have been even better? Um, that is hard. It's okay if you can't do it. Instead of saying that, you could say, this is hard. It's okay if you can't do it yet. Um, And then another example she gives of um, teachers giving feedback to their students. And um, when the teachers gave the feedback, I have high expectations for you and I know you can reach them. So just giving that like little faith in your kids or students, um, the, the students tried they did more draft revisions and had better results giving getting that um feedback and so if we look at this wise parenting the demanding and supportive where we're supporting and challenging our kids to improve then they will come out with more grit um and if we can model that grit they will obviously try to emulate us. So just to summarize the tips that we gave about creating grit in your kids, that's habit, interest, um, slash ownership and empowering them to take control of their own things, deliberate practice, and then helping, well, first finding your purpose and modeling that doing something beyond yourself and then helping them to see their bigger purpose in the little things that they're doing. All right, guys, we'll link all of those books here. And if you haven't yet, and you enjoyed the podcast, if you haven't yet um, left us a review or rating, um, it's really easy and it really helps us reach a wider audience and find um, more questions and more subjects that we can talk on. So we would love it if you could rate and review us here in iTunes. All right, let's find the magic. <coughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>